You're listening to the Weekly Sermon Podcast from Liberty Family Church. For more information about our church, head to the website, libertyfamilychurch.net.au. For those who may not know me, my name's Tim Conley. Uh, Yeah, I'm one of the elders here, and it's been my privilege to serve in that role for quite a number of years. Um, Yeah, and... Since this is, in all probability, my last sermon to bring to Liberty Family Church before we do leave at the end of the month, I thought I'd take a look back over the years and uh, find the, the key themes from the huge variety of messages that I've delivered and apply them to the here and now and looking forward. Hence, the title that I very creatively came up with, Looking back, looking forward. Oh, by the way, yeah. G'day to anyone who's watching online, perhaps even Joel and Laura, uh, who are up in Queensland having a wonderful holiday, I'm sure, and spending time with friends up there. So look forward to seeing them back next week. I know my first sermon, because I've still got the notes, was on the 21st of January, 2001. Wow. And I titled it, Getting Shaken from Your Comfort Zone. Because for me to get up and preach a message, I was being shaken out of my comfort zone. Thank you, John Neath. Little did I know how uh, prophetic that that message actually was for me personally. Because only a couple of weeks after delivering that message, I received a redundancy from the company where I had worked for the previous 19 years. Well, that was a shake-up. Boy, that was me being shaken out of my comfort zone for sure. There's no doubt Rose and I will be shaken again out of our comfort zones over the next couple of weeks, months, when we reach the, uh, the end of our time here at Liberty Family Church at the end of January. I do wonder whether I need to review my notes from uh, that message to help us through that particular time. There, <laughs> there was a, a funny incident and there might be a couple of people here, I think of Ray, maybe Lorraine, There was a funny incident that occurred at the end of that very first message, 22 years ago. A few of my friends, uh, my friends were aware it was to be my first message to the church, and so they planted themselves on the front row, and I, I took it as encouragement, this is really nice, thanks guys, sitting there, and yeah, they were engaged in the message, and I thought, ah, oh, this, is, this is really nice, really encouraging. Well, at the end, they raised scorecards. <laughs> you know, you, you might see the judges on, say, MasterChef or these sort of things. I just cracked up. <laughs> it, it was hilarious, and I actually felt very honoured that uh, they would go to that trouble. And... Sue Bartlett, I know you organised it. Uh, 
Um, do you guys remember that? Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was funny. They're not here today, so... Don't, please. <laughs> <laughs> we'll let it go. Let's pray as we open the word together today. Dear Lord, I, I thank you and I honour you. Lord, I thank you for the privilege that it has been to serve you in this place over such a long period of time. And Lord, we remain confident of where you are going to lead us to where you want us into the future. But Lord, I pray specifically for today, for the here and now that your message <coughs> will achieve the fruit that you desire from it. I pray for ears to hear what you are saying to your church this morning, what you are saying to each individual, and I pray that each person gains something from this message that I truly believe that you have laid on me to bring on this day. So, Lord, I commit it to you, and I pray that you speak through me and that those who are here and those who are watching <coughs> online now and into the future will receive the message that you want to be received. So, Lord, I commit it to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. There's no doubt there is one theme that has occurred time and time again. And for those of you who have listened to me over the years, I'm sure it will be familiar. I'd like to read from the book of Acts, chapter 17, starting at verse 1. When Paul and his companions had passed through Amphipolis and Apollonia, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a Jewish synagogue. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the Scriptures explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Some of the Jews were persuaded and joined Paul and Silas, as did a large number of God-fearing Greeks and quite a few prominent women. But, isn't there always a but? But other Jews were jealous and so they rounded up some bad characters from the marketplace, rent a mob. They formed a mob and started a riot in the city. They rushed to Jason's house in search of Paul and Silas in order to bring them out to the crowd. But when they didn't find them, they dragged Jason and some other believers before the church officials, shouting, These men who have caused trouble all over the world have come now here. And Jason has welcomed them into his house. They are all defying Caesar's decrees, saying that there is another king, one called Jesus. When they heard this, the crowd and the city officials were thrown into turmoil. Then they made Jason and the others post bond and let them go. As soon as it was night, the believers sent Paul and Silas away to Berea. On arriving there, they went to the Jewish synagogue. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those in Thessalonica, for they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day 
to see if what Paul said was true. As a result, many of them believed, as did also a number of prominent Greek women, women and many Greek men. But when the Jews in Thessalonica learned that Paul was preaching the word of God at Berea, some of them went there too, agitating the crowds and stirring them up. The believers immediately sent Paul to the coast, but Silas and Timothy stayed at Berea. Those who escorted Paul brought him to Athens and then left with instructions for Silas and Timothy to join him as soon as possible. This is a fascinating part of the description of Paul's second missionary journey. And there are certainly a couple of points, and I'll just nail it down to two, uh, two or three key points to draw out of that particular scripture. We'll go back to verse 2. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue and on three Sabbath days he reasoned with them from the scriptures. Paul's message was firmly grounded in scripture. At that time, of course, it consisted only of what we know today as the Old Testament. But Paul used that to show them how the scriptures pointed to Jesus. This has been a recurrent theme throughout 2022 with the series God's Story that we as a church have looked at throughout the year. And I want to pay particular honour to Joel, our pastor here. Joel led that series, it was his concept, his idea from the very beginning and he led it with gusto and with great insight and I just really applaud and honour Joel for uh, what he has done throughout the church in many, many ways but particularly relating to that series that we did throughout 2022, the God Story series and um, I certainly feel that way and I trust others here do as well. And if there's an overriding theme of the whole series, all scripture points to Jesus. It's all relevant and it all points to Jesus. Secondly, verse 11. Now the Berean Jews were of more noble character than those of Thessalonica. For they received the message with great eagerness and examined the scriptures every day to see if what Paul said was true. Firstly, they listened to Paul eagerly. Do you come to church with eagerness, with anticipation of what God might be saying to you? Or is it, oh yeah, someday we'll go to church, we'll do this, we'll do that. Can I encourage you, really approach church, coming to church with the opportunity to gather together with like-minded people and perhaps with new believers when that occurs, which is great. Come to church with that sense of anticipation of what God might be saying this morning that you may not have considered before. You may not have joined those dots before. Have a sense of eagerness to what God might be saying today and every day. Thank you. <laughs> but then, 
the Bereans didn't just take Paul at his word. And I love this. They didn't just take him at his word. They checked it out for themselves. Now, they would have huddled around the scrolls in the synagogue because that's where the scrolls were. They didn't have scrolls in their own homes. They went to the synagogue and they would have examined the scrolls. And they would have followed the passages, the, the scriptural references that Paul referred to, and they would have discussed them. They would have discussed them, debated them possibly. Now, is that what he really said or what did he mean by that? Does that really apply? Does that sound like home group? Doesn't it? Value and home group. I really like that, that they were checking it out for themselves and they were able to confirm to themselves that what Paul was telling them was indeed scripturally sound. Now, they didn't have access to the scripture, obviously didn't have access to the New Testament as we do now, but they didn't have access even to the Old Testament as we do now. Never before has the word of God been so widely available. Never before. I know in our home we have multiple copies of the Bible with different translations. As well, there's always the internet and where so much is available online. The Bible is available to us in whatever form you choose. Put simply, folks, we have no excuse. No excuse. Who's heard me say over the years, be a Berean? Yeah. Sick of me saying it, probably. That's all right, I'll keep on saying it, because I firmly believe it. Whatever preacher you listen to, me, anyone else preaching from this pulpit, anyone preaching on the TV or the internet or where, whatever other church you might go to at whatever time, check it out. Check it out. Whether you agree with it or not, check it out. Check the passages that are mentioned and read them in context. In context. For any who came along to my home group, that, well, the home group that we ran over many, many years, uh, may recall me saying very regularly, read it in context. There's a saying that you've probably heard, I know I have over many years and continue to today. Context is king. We need to understand any passage in its context for it to make sense. Who wrote it? Who was it written to? What led up to that point? What followed on? What was its purpose? Context. Now, there is a parallel point here, and maybe I'm heading into dangerous waters, but since this is my last message, yeah, well, why not? Put down those tomatoes. How good's your memory? How good is your memory? You don't remember, yeah. If you, ask, if you were to ask me, the key points and scriptural references, let's say an hour even, after a message. I'd be struggling to list more than a couple. I'd be struggling. That's why I take notes. 
I take notes during messages so that I can follow up afterwards. It also helps me to concentrate on the message and to record any thoughts that I feel God might be speaking to me through that message. Otherwise, in the business, busyness of life, it gets lost. Now, how tragic is that? If God has said something specifically to you through a message and you don't note it down, oh, yeah, yeah, I got that, yeah, I remember that. And then later on you think, what was it he said? Can I encourage you? I find it helpful taking notes. You may also. It's certainly a lot easier to look back over your notes than it is to scan your way through the uh, online message and think, oh, yeah, yeah, yep, that's where it was. Maybe you do, maybe you don't. Anyway, as I said, dangerous waters, I know. So, my first key point today, be a Berean. Be eager and check it out. There is a second fundamental principle that I've held to over the years, and I must say I, I hold even more so as every year passes, and it's this. I believe the Bible to be the word of God and as such is the final authority on any matter. And I'll say that again. I believe the Bible to be the word of God and as such is the final authority on any matter. There are so many controversial matters in our society that cause great confusion, distress and often heartache because so many place their final authority on what they think feels right to them. This is, of course, a logical outcome of postmodern thinking, which proposes that what is truth for you is truth for you, whereas what's my truth may be different. That's postmodern thinking. If you're not sure what postmodern is, postmodern thinking is, check it out. Hear me very clearly. There is such a thing as absolute truth. Truth that is universal and does not change with the latest opinion poll or celebrity comment. His name is Jesus. John 14.6 says this. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus is the truth, not just a truth, not just some truth. He is truth, the living embodiment of truth. I, must, I do find it amusing uh, when Pilate was talking to Jesus you know, during one of his trials. Uh, John chapter 18 Starting verse 37, it says this. You are a king then, said Pilate. And Jesus answered. You say that I'm a king. In fact, the reason I was born and came into the world is to testify to the truth. Everyone on the side of truth listens to me. What is truth? retorted Pilate. Well, truth just happened to be standing right in front of him. 
but he didn't recognise it. And isn't that the case for so many in our world, and dare I say perhaps even in some of our churches? The full sweep of scripture attests to Jesus. The full sweep. It is a collection of 66 books written by approximately 40 different authors over a period of some 1,500 years. Yet, all with the unifying theme of leading people to Jesus. It has been supernaturally preserved for us throughout the centuries. As proven, as proven by the discovery in 1946 of the Dead Sea Scrolls, which do date back to the second century BC. So follow this logic with me. Bit of philosophy 101. Jesus is truth, which we read in John 14:6. Jesus is the Word, which we read in John chapter 1, verses 1 to 14. Therefore, the Word is truth. Now, you may remember back at school when you learned about the laws of mathematics. If A equals B and B equals C, therefore A equals... That was said with resounding... Assurance. <laughs> A equals C. If Jesus is the truth and Jesus is the word, therefore the word is truth. Do you follow? Right. Therefore, if the word, which is another name for the Bible, the scriptures, is truth, why would you place a higher authority on some topic over the Word of God? Why would you? If the Word is truth, which we've just established. I've heard all the arguments that the Bible is not relevant in our sophisticated 21st century society. They would propose that it was written by uneducated people and does not apply in our so-called enlightened age. And look at the state of our so-called enlightened age. Well, I look at scripture and I note this in 2 Timothy 3.16. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for teaching, rebuking, correcting and training in righteousness. Either you believe all scripture... Or you must necessarily question all scripture. Which then places your analysis of scripture as a higher authority than Jesus. I'll say that again. Either you believe in all either you believe all scripture, or you must necessarily question all scripture which therefore places your analysis of Scripture as a higher authority than Jesus. You can follow the logic on that and chew on that one in your own time.
Martin Luther. You may recall Martin Luther. Perhaps not personally, perhaps more by reference. Martin Luther was a disgruntled priest who was a key figure in the Reformation. Was put on trial before the German emperor by the Catholic Church for publishing his views that contradicted church doctrine on certain matters. In his trial at a town called Worms or Worms, which is not far from Heidelberg, he had this to say to his accusers. Unless I am convicted by scripture and plain reason, I do not accept the authority of popes and councils, he said, for they have contradicted each other. My conscience is captive to the word of God. I cannot and will not recant anything, for to go against conscience is neither right nor safe. Here I stand. I can do no other. Is that your cry? Here I stand. I can do no other. Wise words that I believe we can all learn from all these centuries later and until the cessation of time itself. Rose and I were fortunate enough to visit Worms when we went to Europe in 2013. There is a wonderful monument there in recognition of the stand Luther took, along with a number of the key players of the Reformation. It was a wonderful day, wasn't it? Had a terrific day there. Uh, a wonderful testimony to Martin Luther and the other leaders of the Reformation. My challenge to you today, is there anything that you place as a higher authority than the plain reading of the word of God as you examine the various issues that confront us today? And this is just a very tiny sample of the controversial issues that we face. Evolution. Yes, you've heard me talking about creation and evolution and I won't get into all of that today, but just consider, if you believe in the I'll call it the theory and not the myth, it is a myth, of evolution. You are necessarily placing death before sin, which contradicts why Jesus had to die. And Jesus was also described as the last Adam. So if there wasn't a first Adam, how could he be the last Adam? But chew on that one. Then there's questions around gender and all the related matters and in uh, recognition of the audience that we have today, I'll be um, very circumspect around that. Check the Bible, see what it says around all those related matters before you form your opinion. Our identity in Christ, this is one we don't hear a lot about. What do I mean by that? How would you answer the question... Who are you? Who are you? I am a child of God. I am his adopted son. That is first and foremost who I am. I am his child. Out of that, everything else flows. Knowing who you are then defines how you live your life. How about our response to authority? This has been very topical in particularly Victoria uh, in recent years. Read the Bible. What does it say about that? 
What does it say? I could tell you, but then I'd prefer you to check it out for yourselves. The nature of truth. What on earth do you mean by that? If anyone has ever studied philosophy 101, I haven't, but I've read enough about all this sort of stuff. One of the first questions I would ask you in a philosophy course, is truth knowable? Can you know truth? Well, I would say yes, because I know Jesus. But how do you find that out unless you go looking for it? And there are so many other examples. That's just a very small. Base your opinion on what the Bible says. In every case, a careful examination of Scripture will reveal God's view on the subject. And this then forms the basis for examining those issues from that biblical worldview. And yes, this will inevitably place you at odds with much of our society. Well, no surprises, but Jesus warned, warned us about this very topic. In John chapter 15, verses 18 and 19, it says this, Jesus speaking, If the world hates you, keep in mind that it hated me first. If you belong to the world, it would love you as its own. As it is, you do not belong to the world, but I have chosen you out of the world. That is why the world hates you. To live counterculturally can be difficult. I know I did a few messages around living counterculturally a few years ago. Yes, it can be very, very difficult. The pressure to compromise our biblical worldview can be intense. The saga at the Essendon Football Club last year around Andrew Thorburn is a clear example, as was the appalling treatment of Renee Heath during the last election campaign. Yet, I believe Jesus is glorified when we uphold our biblical position. In light of that, I urge you to bear in mind the words that the Apostle Peter wrote. Firstly, in 1 Peter 2, verse 17. Show proper respect to everyone. Love the family of believers. Fear God. Honour the emperor. And by the way, there's one of the references to authority. Did you get that? And further on, in 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 15 and 16. But in your hearts revere Christ as Lord. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But, there's that but again, but do this with gentleness and respect, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against your good behaviour in Christ may be ashamed of their slander. Can I encourage you to not only be readers of the word, be readers of the word, but also be students of the word? I know I'm very much a creature of habit, and I'm sure most people are. And as such, I've found 
uh, establishing a daily routine to read the word has been, it's probably been life-changing. It's been certainly very revealing and very instructive. I suggest you keep experimenting in how this might work for you. Whether you read a physical Bible or an online Bible on your phone or some other device, listen to CDs or any other media while you drive, it actually doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Just do it. Just do it. There are many translations that can suit a range of preferences. Find your primary go-to translation. For me, it happens to be the NIV, probably because that was the first one that I really got into. I know of others who love the old King James version. Terrific. I know others who love the NLT. Wonderful. Whatever. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. But then, when looking at a passage that may be challenging, and let's face it, there are. There are some challenging passages in here that really require some intense thinking. Check it out in other translations. Often, that will bring great clarity. After all, that's what we do when talking with someone. If they don't understand what we're saying, what do we do? We often rephrase, rephrase that point using slightly different language. Still the same point, but slightly different language, which then usually clears up any confusion. If you use the different translations in the same way, I'm sure you will be blessed. I'm sure you will be blessed. So there we are. They're my two, two points of encouragement for you today. Today and into the future. Be a Berean. Check it out. Approach church eagerly. Approach any message eagerly, whether you're watching it on your TV at home or on your PC or your phone. doesn't matter. What's God saying to you? And whether you disagree or whether you agree, if it, oh, I don't feel right about that, check it out. Yeah, I agree with everything they're saying. Check it out. That's what I mean by being a student of the word. Remember, we never stop learning. If you think you know it all, that's the first thing you don't know. Second point, make the Bible your final authority. What is the basis of your worldview? If it's not the Bible, then what? Is it the latest scientific theory? And by the way, I have a science background. I understand science. So I know what I'm talking about. Is it the latest scientific theory? Is it celebrity opinion, which seems to be so prevalent in our culture today? Or is it popular opinion? Everyone says so. Everyone says that lifestyle's okay. Well, that's nice for them, but the Bible says... What is the basis of your worldview?